today on Commitment to Truth. Someone who wants to be a hero has to come to the place in their lives that they say, God, I'm done running. I am done running. I'm done avoiding you. I'm done not dealing with the tough issues. I'm done, you know, passing a buck. I'm done avoiding this encounter with you. I'm willing to look you square in the eyes, Lord, and allow you to deal with me. Welcome to Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Each week, Pastor Cedric Brown and the pastoral team at Commitment Church strive to draw you into a deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This week, we'll be starting a sermon series called Heroes. We'll learn from the biblical heroes of the past found in Hebrews 11 and by faith to encourage you to become today's heroes of the faith. Here is Pastor Cedric, lead pastor of Commitment Church, with today's message. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 through 16 says this, All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen and welcomed them from a distance, and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country which is that they left, they would have the opportunity to return. Uh, verse 16, but as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. They desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. You hear that? We've been navigating through the book of Hebrews and identifying several heroes of the faith that theologians have coined. And here you find clearly that there's this attachment or relational uh, equity that God has built with his people and the people have with him to a point that he says that God is not ashamed to be called their God. Remember, Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me in front of man or you deny me in front of man, then I will deny you what? before the father so there is this responsibility to be fully willing to be identified with the one true living God now that may sound a little elementary but it's not because I think we all have that challenge day after day when you're with people may who may not believe like you believe think like you think desire what you desire to please God uh, they themselves uh, may choose to live a certain way, right? Do certain things. And you have to, in many cases, says, no, I, I'm choosing to be identified with God. This week, I asked myself the question, uh, what makes a hero? Here's my answer to myself again this week. Heroes choose to finally embrace what God thinks of them. Heroes have to come to a clear and radical conclusion that I will embrace what God thinks of me. Not what anyone else thinks of me, right? Not what someone has thought of me in the past. Not even what I think of myself. Because many times, truth be told, we don't think that highly of ourselves many times, right? But we have to get to a point, if we truly want to live for Christ and be those generational heroes, those men and women who are impacting generation after generation, even children yet unborn, 
grandchildren, great-grandchildren that you'll never, ever see. And yes, young people, Lord willing, you'll have great-grandchildren that you will never see unless Jesus tarries. But at the end of the day, we have this choice that will I truly embrace what God thinks of me? So today, if you're willing to believe your identity uh, in and through Christ, uh, then you're, you're ready to be a hero. If you're willing to believe the identity that you now have, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, that you have in and through Christ, then you're ready to be a hero. So our next hero had the same struggle. His name is Gideon. He had to choose to believe what God thought of him. Because of this, he led one of the most triumphant and creative battles in history. And because of this correct estimate of himself, Israel, again, was led to victory. So if you can, open with me quickly again to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 to 34. Then we're going to move quickly over to the book of Judges to find the story of Gideon. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 to 34 says this. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, of David and Sam, Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquer kingdoms, perform acts of righteousness, perform acts of righteousness, obtain promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the f- power of fire, escaped the edge of sword, from weakness were made strong. From weakness was made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Again, these are the type of people we're talking about, men and women, who God used creatively and strategically to ultimately honor him and to impact generations. So, as always, we're answering these three questions. Who is Gideon? Secondly, what makes Gideon so much like you and me? And lastly, how can you and I begin to live like heroes based upon the life of Gideon? So, who is this Gideon? First of all, he's the youngest in the family of the tribe of Manasseh. The youngest of the family of the tribe of Manasseh. Now, what is his connection to Christ? Let's see. The first is this. From the tribe of Manasseh, meaning, here's the definition of the word Manasseh. It means to forget or made me forget. To forget or to be made to forget. And guess whose son this was? Joseph's first son. Some of you remember the story of Joseph? There are some things he needed to forget. And can you imagine calling your son Manasseh, Manasseh? And every time you call his name, you're reminding yourself, God has made me forget. Forget everything my brothers did to me. Forget everything that Potiphar did to me, his wife did to me. The prison that I was thrown in unjustly, God has made me forget so if you ever and this is another sermon if you ever get into a place in your life that you need to forgive and you say you never forget it's possible
this Manasseh was from um, the, the tribe of, or excuse me, from Joseph's line. Joseph is from the line of Jacob, who is Israel. And thus in Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, again, the record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham fathered Isaac. Isaac fathered Jacob. Jacob fathered Judah and his brothers. Again, you see this lineage of Christ over and over and over again of all the heroes of the faith. Makes sense. Now let's move on. I'd like to give you just three simple experiences which makes Gideon like you and me. If you can now open your Bibles to the book of Judges. The book of Judges, I want to encourage you to read the entire book. Phenomenal book. Just regular people like you and I that God plucks out of mist, in the midst of their communities, out of mix, in the midst of their families, to use them to judge Israel, to be a spokesman, spokeswoman, to ultimately try to keep Israel on track. Everyday people, God just stops by, knocks on their door, and says, will you represent me in the midst of wickedness? So found in Judges chapter 6, verses 1 through 15, again, for the sake of time, I can't read all of these, but I just need to give you three highlights of the experiences that makes Gideon so much like you and I, and then we'll dig, dig deeper on our third question. Here's the first. In verses 1 through 10, this is what you find in Gideon's life that makes him just, just like you and I. He lived amongst evil people. Anybody can say amen to that, right? There's a whole bunch of evil going on. So you find this in verse number one. It says, they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Then you skip to verse 10. It says, then you have not obeyed me. So they were doing evil and they just, evil and disobedience is synonymous. So they are being evil, therefore they are being what? Disobedient. So Gideon, just like you and I, live among, or lived among a bunch of sinful evil people. Number two, you find in verses 12 and 13, he had tons of questions. And if you have questions for God, like where flies come from, <laughs> that's one of the questions I have because they start with maggots and I don't like maggots. That's like my, you know, uh, kryptonite. It's like, ah. <laughs> Right? You know, some of you have, you know, certain things is like, okay, when I stand before God and, and I'm going to ask him, you know, why did you create maggots? <laughs> right? So, so, but we will have more profound questions like, well, why did I lose my fill in the blank? Why am I on my second marriage? You know, why didn't I grow up with parents? Why was I raised in this community? Why was I adopted? These are real questions that real people ask a real God. Why doesn't he love me? Why don't they respect me? Why do I keep struggling with this? Why do I keep having these thoughts, these emotions, these feelings, these passions? Gideon had these questions. Look at verse 13. It says, why then has this happened to us? 
well, God, why do you allow this to happen to me and my people? He also says, well, where are all the miracles I heard about? You're a miracle-working God. Well, where's all the miracles, God? Why aren't you plucking us out and, and helping us and coming to our aid like you did our forefathers? Sound familiar? So there will be questions, and Gideon had tons of questions like you and I have. And here's the third and final thing that makes Gideon so much like you and I. Again, he lived among evil people. He had tons of questions. The third is this. He didn't think highly of himself or his family. Well, God can't be choosing me. Well, you don't know my past. You don't know my issues. You don't know how bad I am. You don't know my thoughts. Right? You don't know my mistakes that I made. In verse 15, Gideon says this, my family is the least. This word least means I'm, they're the poorest, they're the weakest, they're the lowest. And not to mention, I'm the youngest. Today, you may not be thinking that highly of yourself. Maybe you look at your family and it's like, man, it's garbage. Everybody around me in my family, they just like out there doing whatever, not walking with Jesus, right? They just deep in the sand. Matter of fact, my whole family were drug addicts. My whole family, nobody stayed married. Everybody was in poverty. Right? Those are the real stories in, in, in real life, right? You know, i never forget Lisa and I, uh, when we got married and we hit certain markers of marriage, she began to say, you know what? We are the longest married couple in my entire family. Now, you can look back and say, oh, I can't believe it. Wow. And look down on the family. No. Or you can say, well, thank the Lord that we've chosen to stay married no matter what. You follow me? So the bottom line is, is we will all enter this relationship or this hero effort, right, struggling with who am I and Am I really meant? Listen, when I remember when God was calling me, I was questioning and questioning and questioning and questioning, was I really called for this? Second guess, third guess, fourth guess, fifth guess, on and on and on and on. Didn't believe it. I, even, even the way I taught, it was totally different. And I was like, is something wrong with me because I don't do it like I saw it done? We all will have those questions. We will all, unfortunately, think not so highly of ourselves. Now, here's the weird thing with God. You could think too highly of yourself, and that's a bad thing. <laughs> it's, it's like almost like an oxymoron. You could think so highly of yourself that that's like you're thinking bad of yourself. You follow me? Wrong estimate of yourself. So no matter what's part of the scale that you're on, I think we all enter this, this heroism, if you would, with this challenge and this tension of, you know, am I too good? <laughs> if I think I am too good, or I don't think that highly of myself at all, period. And where and who have I come from? What's my lineage? 
Is it of value? This being said, again, Gideon, he existed amongst evil people. Tons of questions that he had for God. And he also was a person who didn't think too highly of himself, but nevertheless, he is categorized as a hero of the faith. You see, God promises this concerning our identity found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. One of these verses I held on to early in my faith and still hold on to it today. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creature or creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, I like the King James Version there. All things have become new. Not some things, all things. So if you live in Christ, all things become new. So flip, flip the coin, right? If I live outside of Christ, then there will always be this tension and struggle. Am I really new? So therefore, we must be men and women who understand, yes, we will exist around evil people. Yes, I'll have tons of questions for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I will question them until I see them face to face, and I may try to pose a question, but because of his glory, it will overshadow every question we will ever have. And yes, you won't think too highly of yourself, both too much or too little, and there will be times that, yes, you will wonder where you've come from and why you were born in this family, in this context, in this generation. But at the end of the day, you must know if you have put your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, when you live in him and breathe in him, he makes all things new. Now, how should that look? Here's three things that I would like to give you. Three lifestyle adjustments found in Judges. Now, we're going to dig deeper. Judges chapter 6, verses 14 through uh, uh, 27. 14 through 27. It says, I'm going to back up at uh, verse number uh, 11, I think it is. It says, then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, not Oprah, but Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abirzite, Abirzite, as his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress in order to save it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, valiant warrior. Then Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about saying, did, uh, did the Lord bring not us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Medians. And the Lord looked at him and said, go in this strength of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? But he said to him, O Lord, how am I to save Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's house. Yet the Lord said to him, I will certainly be with you, and you will defeat Midian as one man. 
Here's the first reflection of a hero. Heroes are ready to encounter the Lord. Heroes are ready to encounter the Lord. Listen, in this encounter with Gideon and the Lord, Gideon didn't run from the Lord. Someone who wants to be a hero has to come to the place in their lives that they say, God, I'm done running. I am done running. I'm done avoiding you. I'm done, you know, not dealing with the tough issues. I'm done, you know, passing a buck. I'm done avoiding this encounter with you. I'm willing to look you square in the eyes, Lord, and allow you to deal with me. You see, that's why if you look at verse 14 again, the Lord looked at him. The word look means this, to look at, turn towards, to turn and approach. He created this clear way. That's the last part of the definition. There was this clear way, uninhibited, between Gideon and the Lord. And that's what God is doing in your life and my life over and over again. He is simply saying, "I am." listen, he will remove people, places, and things to clear the way to get your full undivided attention. Or you know what he'll do? Again, it's so, it's so weird. In the clearing of the way, it could also mean this. He could cause stuff to happen, fall apart, chaos, to ultimately clear the way of your heart. So you can have your undivided attention, right? It's kind of like this. You know, when our kids are younger, one of the things we used to always say is, look at me. <laughs> Especially if you had that child that you know they weren't listening to you and they were just going to do whatever they wanted to do anyway. It's like, look at me. Do you hear what I'm saying? Look at me. And that's what God did to Gideon, what he does to you and I. He's like, look at me. I need to remove this out of your way so I can have eye contact with you, an undivided distraction between you and me. And that's why if you look at Psalm 25, verse 16, the psalmist says this, turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. We have to get to a point in our lives, church, listen, that we admit that we are lonely and afflicted. In other words, it's not working outside of him. You can have everything you, you have in the world or desire in the world and still be lonely and afflicted. In other words, without him. And I believe there has to be this understanding, this natural understanding that, you know what? No matter what state I'm in life I'm in, my marriage could be humming in all cylinders, but I still must admit before God, I'm lonely and afflicted. You could be soaring in your career, but you're still lonely and afflicted. Yes. Yes. It's not being a Debbie Downer. It's just understanding your perspective of who God is and who you're not. It's communicating neediness that God, no matter how successful, no matter how smart, no matter how functional I am here on this earth, I still need you. No matter how much authority, I understand you have all authority. Then Psalm 69, verse 16 and 17 says this, Answer me, Lord, for your mercy is good. According to the greatness of your compassion, turn to me and do not hide your face from your servant. 
God is waiting for you to just request his presence. Heroes are no longer afraid to experience the Lord face to face. You see, truthfully, I remember early in my walk when I knew I wasn't really kind of doing, you know, when you had those late night encounters and you just do God wanted your undivided attention. And it's like, no, I ain't getting up. I ain't moving. I ain't answering this call. You know, because <laughs> it, it's like something in you is like, oh, this is God beckoning me right now. But over time, you're going to have to confront it. Get up. Want his presence. Look him in the eye. And let him do his work in your heart. Verse 25 and 27. It says, now on the same night, the Lord said to him, take your father's bull and a second bull, seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal, which belongs to your father, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on the top of this stronghold in, in an orderly way, and take a second bull and offer a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah, which you shall cut down. Then Gideon took 10 men from his servants and did as the Lord had spoken to him. And because he was too afraid of his father's household and the men of the city to do it by day, he did it by night. Can, can I be honest with you? <clears throat> the second point is super important. It's because there's times that heroes, you know what you have to do initially is take small transitional steps. Because Gideon eventually went from this guy who only took 10 guys with him in a cover of darkness, ended up starting to uh, vet out a 10,000 man army because God says you can't have 10,000 because you would think it's by your own might. And weeded them down to 300. To go into battle and win, the victor- win victoriously. But he started somewhere. So the challenge we, we face is if you want to be a hero, you got to first be willing to take some kind of progressive steps. Take some small steps, some, tra- some transitional steps. He took 10 men but yet he still did as the Lord said. Yes, it was in the cover of night, but he still did what the Lord said. The word did means this, to work, to institute, to act with effect, to deal with. So no matter how afraid Gideon was, guess what he did? He still worked it, he still instituted it, and he still dealt with it. You follow me? Doesn't have to always be on this grand scale. Sometimes God just wants you to do what he wants you to do with no fanfare. I always like to say it this way. Just leave the dock. So many times we need the navigational system, right? We need the right weather report. We need every system to line up before we just set sail and just leave the dock. And just trust that his spirit will blow you exactly where he wants you to be. 
Proverbs 21 verse 3 says it this way. Describes doing as essential. He says, do righteousness and justice is desired by the Lord more than sacrifice. Just do the right thing. You don't need everyone's approval. You don't need everybody's advice. Just do the right thing. That's what pleases God. Heroes come to a place that they do what's required. Listen, they do what's required, even if it means their heart has to catch up. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we don't do because, oh, I want to be fake. You know, I, you know, I don't want to say, I want to ask that person for forgiveness because, you know, it's going to be too fake and, you know, I don't really mean it. <laughs> do you mean getting up for work every day? But you go because you see the greatest outcome or the greater outcome. And that is, if I don't go to work, I don't get paid. I don't get paid. I can't pay the rent or the mortgage. If I can't pay rent or mortgage, I'm like on the street or back in my parents' house, which is like, no way. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I mean, so we get it. We understand that, no, there, there's this responsibility to, to make decisions that maybe I don't feel like doing. I don't. There's not many people who like feel like going to work every day. You may have your dream job and yeah, you like going to work, but there's days it's like, dang, I wish I could stay home today. But you do what? You get up and you go. I mean, everyone, if you're a parent, chances are you love being a parent. But there's some days it's like, dang, I, I just signed up for this. Can I, can I ship it back? You know, it's like... <laughs> Right, like, you know, but we, we stick it out because we see what lies ahead. The same is true. Man, just do the right thing, even if your heart's not in it. Just do it because it's right. And then your heart will eventually catch up. It does. It does. Lastly, you look at verse 33 through 34. Heroes completely cover themselves with the Lord. He covered themselves with the Lord. Verse 34 said this. So the spirit of the Lord covered Gideon like clothing. Covered like clothing. Now here's the beautiful uh, descriptive in this. Chances are you're going to put on clothing that doesn't feel good. Doesn't make you look good. Doesn't make you feel good, right? Doesn't is not conducive to the weather. So the beautiful part of a relationship with the holy God and the Lord Jesus Christ is that, man, he will clothe himself, he will clothe you with himself, but he, in the midst of clothing you with himself, he will make you a better you. He's created your personality He's created your idiosyncrasies. He created your quirks and I like to say your monkishness. And some people know what I'm talking about there. Because I can be monkish. Monkish. Yeah. You know monkish? Nobody knows monkish. It's a, it's a TV program. Just Google it. <laughs> you, know, he, you know, he has all kinds of like, you know, 
issues of having everything in order. So it, no matter how difficult you may be, the cool thing God does is he takes, he clothes you with himself and makes you better you. Less of you, more of him. When Gideon was completely covered with the spirit of the Lord, the story goes, the people followed him. Without being clothed, your wife won't follow you. Your family won't follow you. People will, re they will obey your authority, not respect your authority. Even as a mom, they will obey you, but won't respect you. This is how it looks for us today. Romans 14, verses 13 through 14. And I'll read Ephesians chapter 4, and then we'll end with these verses. Let's behave properly as in a day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and debauchery, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to his lust. And in Ephesians chapter 4, 20 through 24, but you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that is, in reference to your former way of life, you are to rid yourself of the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you are to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on a new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Heroes allow the Holy Spirit of Christ to envelop every area of their lives. No area is avoided. In a book, uh, The Mask Behind the Mask, biographer Peter Evans, Evans says, actor Peter Sellers, He's an old actor, played so many roles, he sometimes was not sure of his own identity. He was approached by a fan who asked him this question, are you Peter Sellers? Sellers answered quickly, not today, and walked away. Christians, let me ask you a question. What role are you playing? What role are you playing? Today, what's your identity? Let me read to you what your identity should be as a hero. Galatians 2.20 says this, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, it's not I who live, but it's Christ who lives within me. And it's life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his very life for me. Bottom line is this, as a hero finds their identity in Christ. Heroes find their identity in Christ because he's earned it. He does not have to do any other thing. He's earned it. Hello, my name is Sarah Vega, and I am the Administrative and Executive Director here at Commitment Church. 
I hope you've enjoyed today's message by Pastor Cedric Brown. If you didn't know, Pastor Cedric also sends out encouraging videos weekly. We call these the Weekly Wire. We can send these encouraging videos directly to you by subscribing at www.loveallnations.org. Here's an example of the encouragement you'll receive. Where does everything you have come from? Do you think you earn it on your own? Do you think it is by your might, by your power? Well, there's a Bible verse that says this, a man cannot receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. In other words, I believe that passage is saying to you and I is that there's nothing that we have here on this earth that we will ever possess in the future or even today that does not come from anywhere else but heaven. In other words, it truly isn't not by our might, nor is it by our power, but it's by the Spirit of the living God. It is God who gives us the power to make wealth. It is God who gives us the strength to wake up every single day and, and be able to go and earn and even keep what we have. So the next time you worry about tomorrow, the next time you worry about even holding on to whatever you have, or you're waiting for something to fall out of the sky, or you're trying to make it happen on your own, always remember, there is nothing given to man that doesn't first start from above. God is our ultimate provider. And can we all agree that we should never ever forget that? This is Pastor Cedric of Commitment Church with another Weekly Wire. If you know anyone in your life today who is struggling with earning and keeping and holding on to every single thing that they have and forgetting that whatever they have, whatever they're waiting on, it comes from above. We hope you enjoyed the sample of our Weekly Wire. Again, to subscribe to your weekly inspiration, refreshment, and encouragement, please visit www.loveallnations.org. Thank you again for listening to our series, From Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. If you want to listen to the previous messages in this series, or if you want to hear messages from other series, visit Commitment Church on YouTube or Pastor Cedric Brown on Spotify, Pandora, or other podcast providers. You can also visit us on our website, commitmentchurch.org. And if you live in the Philadelphia, Delaware, or South Jersey area, we would love to see you in person as well. You can attend any of our services by visiting us at 2 Berlin Road South, Lindenwald, New Jersey, 08021. Thank you again for listening, and have a blessed and wonderful day.